Welcome to episode 34 of the Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend, Helen. We are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage our listeners to apply critical thinking to current events and pursue truth as we seek to live for Christ. Right. Deep breath. Firstly, are you okay, Helen? I hope so, because I'm going to be honest, we have a lot to process in this episode. But seriously, Helen, are you okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm, I'm breathing deeply. You're breathing deeply. I think I'm okay. You think yeah. you're okay. How's your health and well-being, Helen, at this point in time? Are you, you yeah. you're managing? I'm, I'm, I'm managing just about... Really? I'm quite troubled, a bit traumatized, but no, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, oh. yes. Yeah. Um, probably the less we say about that, that particular thing, it'd be better. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world and you don't have a clue what we're talking about, well, we'll um, maybe leave it there. But uh, no, go yes. on. I think we should say what we Do you we're think we should about? say? Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm. I think we should say, but actually, genuinely, I'm not a great expert on it, but there, there's a program called, is it This Morning? It is This Morning, isn't it? Is it is called This Morning, and I am not sure that I have ever seen an episode of it. I think I've seen little clips. It, it's not my kind of thing. I, I, I wouldn't have you down as a kind of a typical This Morning viewer. I've got you more as like a Jeremy Kyle person, to be honest, Helen. But uh, mm. but yeah, so, so This Morning, it's like a kind of, do you remember Pebble Mill? Oh yeah, I do remember. Yeah, yeah. It's Sound like a music. It's like a thing like that. It's, it's like daytime TV, isn't it? Like a chat show. Anyway, long story short, Holly Willoughby and um, Philip Schofield um, present it or did. And the dream Philip, duo. The dream duo, and Philip Schofield has um, apparently done things he shouldn't be doing, and has left the show. And and Holly Willoughby did this very dramatic, over the top intro when she came back onto the show and it was just um uh, ridiculous to be quite honest so i'm sure you can forgive our slight slight parody of that but but we we are we are right in that we do have a lot to process in this episode but first of all before we do that helen are, are you you have you had a good week have you had a good weekend because this is the weekend we're recording this so yeah that's yeah. how dedicated yes. we are yes i've had a good week i think i've been working today actually so um Right, a bit tired, mm. a bit tired. It's, it, yeah. it's it's well, you'll you'll be um, due some a glass of wine or something after this podcast, unless you got unless you got one now, of course. But I can't. I, no, I, I haven't. Think, I've got you, a cup of tea at the moment. A cup of tea. Yeah. You're telling me it's a cup of tea. It looks like a cup of tea. <laughs> could be anything, couldn't it? It could be anything. Yeah, it could be mm. anything. Well, we'll see how see how this podcast progresses. But it has it has been it has been warm this weekend, hasn't it? Have, have you have you had oh, warm yeah. weather where you are as well? Yeah, it's lovely at last. Warm weather, yeah. It is nice, isn't it? But, you know, this leads us into our, our first topic. Nice, nice little segue there. Um, because, of course, um, the, the BBC, one of our, our favourite media outlets of choice here on the Alan Badger podcast, they, they, they are very kindly issued us with a weather warning and the uh, rather ominous-sounding UK Health Security Agency. Uh, that's a new thing, actually. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about this in a moment. Uh, say the health and social care sector could be impacted um what did what did you think when you saw this on the on the website because it was it was just it was quite something wasn't it in 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 a holly willoughby-esque over-the-top dramatic way we have the bbc being over-the-top dramatic about 
What is nothing more than nice summer weather? Oh, I know. Uh, it's shock horror. It's summer. And it might get a bit hot. It might get a bit hot. It might get a bit hot. Yeah. And we um, have weather warnings and amber. Are we up to amber warning? I think it starts on yellow like, warning, doesn't know. it? And then I it goes know. to amber and then red, red hot alert. Red hot alert. Red. <laughs> Is that actually a thing? Do they, <laughs> no, do they say? <laughs> <laughs> it should be a thing. Red hot alert. Yes. Um <laughs> So it is. It is. It is just a bit crazy, isn't it? But we're kind of this. We're, we're sort of used to this now, aren't we? With with the BBC and the media in general, kind of over dramatizing things um, and and talking. You know, trying to get people whipped up into a frenzy and issuing warnings and poking fear into things and and making people think that everything's dangerous and there's a risk to health. Um, and you you could can you sign up for alerts? Is that apparently, right? Apparently, apparently, right? yeah. Well, that's what, 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 what I read. Alerts to warm weather. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is just normal weather for June. I, I know it's insane, isn't it? Honestly, I, I mean, maybe it's it must be getting old, but you know, I remember in my youth, long hot summers. I remember yes. some really hot summers, and and maybe because I grew up living and working outside, you know, I was working in the heat, and and I remember it, and. Um, it's it's not unusual. It isn't. And it, apparently, um, you know, they make a big fuss about the risk to life and, um, you know, people die in the heat. But apparently many, many more people die of the cold. In our country, it's the cold that's the danger. Um, yes, that's true. Cold, cold and damp making things Yeah, people not having enough winter. money to heat their homes. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that that is, that is definitely a real... A real problem and a real challenge, uh, but obviously in the summer that's less less of a less of a thing. Um, and of course, I think climate change gets a mention. Not to mention, of course, that that you know, take the summer of seventy six in June, it was thirty six degrees in June, not thirty degrees. I mean, it's not been, it's been like twenty eight degrees here, but it's just normal. And but they're making it out to be something it, it it's not, which is yeah. Well, the other thing that sad. I think is odd is people pay good money to go to hot places on holiday and you know there's not a big fuss generally made about that so if we get a bit of that heat here i'm not quite sure why such a fuss is made (laughs) apparently now there is advice for people if they're going on holiday about really what 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 they should pack in terms of like you know relaxation may kill you or uh (laughs) Or what does it go and tell us? I, what, what? I, I, well, I'm not really sure. Things like make sure you've got enough sun cream and um, make sure you hydrate yourself properly and all that sort of patronising advice. Yeah, slather, slather on sun cream with all sorts of chemicals in it, which I, you know I've used time and time again and not really questioned. But there does come a point where you think, hmm, yeah, what are we? Not only what do we put into our bodies, but what are we putting onto our bodies? And yeah. we, t- we take we take so many things at trust and at face value when perhaps that isn't quite as wise as um we think it is yeah well i I learned that when um, my children were little because one of them um i mean i didn't even when they were little i i remember thinking i've been so careful because one of my children had eczema and i was so careful not to put any you know products on their skin and i remember thinking "Mm, sun cream I'm not really sure I want to use that so I would always try to use it only if I really had to 
But one of them one day, there was this mark on the car. And I thought, oh my goodness, what is that? And then realized it was a sun a hand with sun cream mm. that had been placed on the car and it literally ate into the car paint. Seriously? Yeah. It wow. left a permanent mark on the car. That's okay. whatever chemicals were in that can strip a car of its paint. Yes. Well, that's that is quite an insight. And um and I think it, it, that's that's pretty shocking actually isn't it it's that whole thing of 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 what we what we put in our bodies says tim who actually just before this podcast was stuffing his mouth with some kind of um uh mayo or mat look okay i'm gonna have this out now do you, are you familiar with mayhems or moams no. oh okay. those yes yeah how yeah, do you actually, say it i'm, I'm no, i don't know Mayams, Mayams, Mayams. Okay, well, look. If you if you're listening to this and it's perplexes you, do tell us how you pronounce Mayams. Or I think it's like I think a, a lot of people say that looks ma- like Mayams or something. But I would say Mayams. Anyway, <laughs> not that's important. But my point was is that I was just stuffing my mouth with with the fake Mayams or Mayams, and goodness knows what is in that. So, um, but yeah, sun cream, um, and, and and of course. Vitamin D, which we get from the sun, is is good for us, and of, and we do know, and we'll come on to this shortly. We do know that vitamin D is helpful in the fight against uh, COVID or COVID, as some people say, um, or whatever it might be. And and of course, you know, rewind for years, and that was uh, passed off as 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 nutty pseudoscience, but now we obviously know that that isn't the case and it's true and vitamin d is good for you so yeah yeah it's i think we've known that for a long time it's essential for our immune system and um and we get it from the sun so exposure to the sun is a good thing not Mm. getting burnt by the sun um but we should be out in the sun at you know sensible times of the day and um you know it's not it's not rocket science is it? it it just cover up if you're outside and you're at risk of getting burnt well put some thin clothing on or use the shade that's what the shade is for or you know go out when it's the early sun or the late sun but the sun is good and i think this is something that i've been thinking about a bit recently this idea which is being peddled now that the sun is a bad thing it's a dangerous thing it's going to you know it's going to ruin the climate and the planet and and it's a lie and in genesis we're told that god made the sun Mm. and it was good and sun is essential for life on this planet um for the right amounts of warmth and light for life and and for plants to grow and animals to flourish and um you might have heard this that if if we were very very slightly closer to the sun we would frazzle immediately if we were very slightly further away from the sun we would freeze immediately we're just we're at that perfect place which is not by chance no god has created the world he's created the sun and he's put everything in place just for us in the middle of this amazing universe just for life to flourish on this little planet earth Totally, and and you know the 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 mathematical odds of it being mm-hmm. uh, pure chance is um, well non-existent. It just wouldn't. It's just not not scientifically 
more mathematically possible. But yeah, totally agree with that. Um, so yeah, we thanks for the BBC for reminding us that um, <clears throat> hot weather is on its way. Um, and I think also just again, I suppose, <laughs> and we'll come back to the BBC a bit later on, won't we, Alan? Because we do we do love the BBC. Um, because I think they have this 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 nanny nanny statism about them, don't they? Which they they want to kind of molly coddle people into doing the right thing, as as Auntie BBC says. So yeah, um, it's it's uh, a lot of a lot of what they come out with is is nonsense, as we will see later on. Uh, so that will take us quite nicely, actually. And we're going to cover a, a, a few different topics in this podcast um, into somebody we have talked about a number of times before, um, Dr. John Campbell, um, who who is who is an interesting one, isn't he, Helen? Because he's he's quite a he's um, how would he describe? He's quite divisive for some people, isn't he? Yeah, I, yes, he is, and I think he um, I think he's treading a bit of a difficult line actually at the moment because I think I heard him say the other day um he's it's almost like he's disliked from both ends of the divide now um because mm. he because he's moved from one position to another so um from being behind the government's um you know everything they were doing during covid at the start and and supportive of the vaccine and everything and then completely changing his mind and now he's very skeptical um and spends most of his time really digging into the facts and what's going on um and if effectively criticizing the government uh yeah and because of that change of tack i think some people don't don't like that no they don't i i know i know there's there's certainly there's certainly people that um i listen to and and respect their view quite substantially who um don't like him at all because he because they say basically he had access to the same information that, that we did yet chose to go with the narrative which which was true yeah um and for that reason think and he's you know according to them his youtube channel this is is sounds like it's it's profitable in some shape or form but I, that's only according to the third party. I can't comment from um, my own research on that. And it, it does sound like there's a bit of kind of because he wasn't right and maybe caused people to take a vaccine that was harmful, which which they are harmful. Um, that he shouldn't still have a voice. And I think one of the things that we, I suppose, where we come from on this, and we've said before on on, on this podcast, is that um, we we both listened to him right early on, didn't we? Mm. Um, when and and uh, I don't know how when you started or stopped listening to him, Helen. But I stopped listening to him when I started started to have an inkling that mm, yeah, something's not right here, and he's kind of really towing the party line. Mm. And then came back to him. I don't know when it was last year. Was it probably last year? Um, where he he seemed to be waking up, and and I think our view was very much that because he is he's done such he's done it effectively a a one eighty degree turn um, on pretty much most of his views now, as far as I can tell, mm. and 
because so many people listen to him, that I think is is a good thing in terms of helping other people to wake up and to think, okay, here's a guy who was pushing the narrative as being true. The same narrative that the BBC and the Telegraph and the Guardian, pretty much most most um, mainstream news outlets would would be pushing for the last three years, and now he's changing the tune on that. So, yeah, it's um, there's there's uh, it's it's an interesting one, and we know we know that I understand. You know, there's people who, who don't agree with that, and that that's you know that's you know, your choice if that's the case. But I think that's where we are at the moment. Is that fair, Helen? Yeah. yeah, it is fair. I think he, I think he's doing a really good job now. I find it really helpful to listen to his talks now because he's um, really digging into all sorts of information, which is really useful. Yeah. Um, and he's clearly really questioning things now. I, I still, I, I do think he's been, he's been quite humble in in saying I got it wrong. So he has said that multiple times. I think um, I am still a little bit frustrated with him because he still does seem to maintain that he changed his mind as the evidence emerged. And, and I think he's still a little bit blinkered from that point of view, maybe because he finds it too hard to actually say, actually... I ignored the evidence. The evidence was there yeah. because other yeah, people is, saw it. That is the and thing, isn't it? I think he's he seems to think that other people had a hunch and went with their hunch. And it's like, no, there were people out there who really knew their stuff and who were really investigating and really looking into everything very carefully. And the evidence was there. And I think he was just blinded by everything that was going on, as so many people were, which is a shame. I, 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 th I think you're right, and, and and you know we've we've heard this argument quite a few times. Like, I mean, you've got the extreme level of somebody like Piers Morgan who said the science changed, which is absolute rubbish. The science never changed. No. <laughs> but then when people say, "Oh, the evidence changed," or new evidence emerged, mm. actually, that's that's also a, a false way of 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 describing the situation because it's the more the evidence snowballed. The evidence it, was always there, and it just kept stacking up. Or, or I would say there was actually a lack of substantive evidence right at the start. So we 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 had things like we had, you know, we 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 understood that, for example, you 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 don't lock people away in their homes who are well. We had a we talked about before. We've had a what's a pandemic prepared plan, didn't we, in this, this country? Which and and you 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 don't. Um, in quotes, vaccinate people during a pandemic, for example, especially a vaccine that hasn't hasn't actually been tested and tried. So, so evidence. They say, "Oh, the evidence changed." Well, it's like, well, the evidence was was flimsy to start with. So, if it's flimsy, you don't go with that evidence. You 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 go with what you you know. You go with, um, if nothing else, you go you go with the common sense ab about. Years and years of medical understanding, scientific understanding, and that yeah. was just chucked out the window. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're, we're we're talking about John Campbell because, um, lo and behold, um, it's like no way, Sherlock. You don't say. Um, 
transpires, of course. I mean, this stuff we we we've known for a long time, but but it's it's coming out now in in uh, the official uh, narrative in in channels like John Campbell's, which is good, but uh, basically that lockdowns did nothing to save lives, and there's um, a report done by the Institute of Economic Affairs, um, which essentially says that the policy of global lockdowns were a failure of gigantic proportions. It's quite something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've, what have we had so far? We've had uh, the vaccines don't work. We've had face masks didn't do anything. And now, lo and behold, we've had lockdowns where they, in the words of the Institute for Economic Affairs, a failure of gigantic proportions. That's pretty, pretty clear, isn't it, Helen? It is pretty clear. But again, I remember reading people from various different, um, you know, with various different forms of expertise who said at the time as we were facing the very first lockdown, this will be a disaster. This will yes, exactly, be exactly. so terribly harmful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and the su- the summary of this report is essentially saying um, that, that lockdowns were a failure because they 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 didn't save lives, but but lockdowns have cost lives, and they the continue to cost lives through the economic devastation, through the devastation um, in people's home life because of being locked in your your home. Um, it, it's just it's just appalling, and and yeah. you're absolutely right, Helen. Right at the start of this, there were people saying, "This is crazy. We can't do this." You know that if if there were people dropping dead on the street, which there weren't, unless you would believe that nonsense that came out of China early on, um, then you know you think, okay, well, maybe if I go outside my house, I might die. But it was nothing even remotely close to that. So why would you lock perfectly well people in their homes? Yeah, it was, it was bonkers, wasn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, there, there are some statistics in this which which I think should be treated with a large pinch of salt, to be honest, um, because this this report claims that lockdowns prevented one thousand seven hundred deaths in England. Well, that's England less than Wales. the weekly. Oh, sorry, England and Wales. That's right, but that's that's less than the weekly excess deaths we've been seeing in this country alone. Yeah. But that's not in the news. And that's happening now. And that's happening now. Exactly. Yeah. So so that's 1,700 deaths total. Not a week, total. Mm. Now, I don't, I don't have, I have no idea how they, they come up with that figure. So I'd be very suspicious about even, even saving, lockdown saving one life, to be honest with you. But um, compare that with Imperial College London modelling. Uh, sorry, Imperial College London, their modelling that they did in March 2020, that predicted that lockdowns would save over 400,000 lives in the United Kingdom and over 2 million in the United States. And that, um, uh, that's Neil Ferguson's establishment, isn't it? I think, Helen, is that right? I think it's yes. I've got that right, haven't I? Yeah, that's... Um, um, that, that guy's a complete fraud. Um, after the debacle in the foot of mouth, he shouldn't be anywhere near public policy. But anyway... Um, and the government basing the decisions on that was was monstrous, effectively. Yeah, yeah. 
And I mean, like you said, the economic costs, the cost to children and their mm-hmm. education there have been calculations they do what is called life years lost yes. which is yes. to do with um a calculation to do with uh, um people being pushed into poverty and mm-hmm. how that will affect their life expectancy um at the education of children and and that being affected negatively will affect their prospects throughout the rest of their life which will affect their um, their health and again their life expectancy and uh, and I've seen um estimates of of uh, I think it was millions of life years lost it's it's just you know insane numbers that you can't really get your head around yeah um it, 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 just it, we we, it, we have no idea what the impact is going to be because it's going to be for decades potentially it, 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 it is it is and it's it's tragic it's tragic it's sad and and it's also appalling and um i think it's worth not to dwell on this but reminding ourselves how appalling it was mm. you know when you had those ridiculous posters where it said you know of some old person in a in an oxygen you know an oxygen mask saying look at look him in the eyes and tell him he didn't break the rules and things like that it's just appalling um and that kind of messaging didn't save lives it cost lives and people knew that at the time we knew that at the time and now this report is simply confirming what many people have known for the last three years well another example of what many people have known for um, for a long time now is is um there's been other reports hasn't there about um the um the nudge unit or whatever yes. and the way yes. that fear was used to as a as a weapon um as if this is a new thing we're only just finding it out now and it's like well Laura Dodsworth and her yeah. book which we covered in a podcast early on that was published in 2021 21 yeah um and and she talked about all of that in great detail she did. so it's she no did. good the telegraph or whoever now talking about it now as if it's some big revelation it's like well, we've known about that for two years but you yeah. weren't interested yeah and the influence of the 77th brigade which again was was in laura dodsworth book and yeah. and how that was used against people of this country um and continues to be by the way <laughs> um but yes i mean the, the you mentioned the telegraph helen i mean they are they were totally complicit in this, in peddling the lie, um, and not just the Telegraph, the All World Guardian Mail. It doesn't matter which one you read; they all they all did the same thing. They all published the figures on the front page. They all towed the party line. Yes, they had little 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 murmurings of dissent, but the murmurings of dissent were within the the Overton window of acceptability. Mm. And meanwhile, those decrying this properly and putting their head above the parapet were were shouted down as as nutters well it just shows the lies that we've been told and now the same media the same telegraph or the bbc or the guardian whoever you want to pick are trying to make out that oh you know look we've got we've got isabel oak shots whatsapp messages look at this isn't this amazing no it's not <laughs> or we've got we've got um this this scoop on how the BBC were really complicit or the nudge units. All this stuff, Dear Telegraph, was being talked about years ago and you could have done something then, but you didn't. 
And uh, I think it's also just worth reminding ourselves that the, the, the government became the lead paying advertiser for these papers during the pandemic. So you don't bite the hand that feeds you. This is how this uh, this stuff works. I think um, and, 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 and there's going to be a positive here. So if you're listening and thinking, oh, this is a little bit depressing, there's, there's a positive here. But it's, but we talk about this stuff for a couple of reasons. One is it's, it's relevant because it's happening now. But the other thing is it's really important that that we keep a level head, that we, we are – we we understand what the truth is. We understand the situation that we find ourselves in and why we find ourselves in that situation because it helps us to discern the truth going forwards because it's not always easy. And I think it's also really, really important to say, look, wasn't it worth standing for the truth? If you're listening to this and you've been a lone voice in your home or probably in your church, if you do go to church, take this as an encouragement to keep standing for truth. And this isn't about um, going and doing a big fat, oh, I told you so. It's not that. It's actually saying, look, guys, you know, yeah, we might have got this one wrong. Let's make sure we don't get it wrong again. This is why it's important. And, uh, you know, and we can encourage those who perhaps thought we were a bit nutty or mad. Mm. Well, dare I say it, conspiracy theorist. That CIA coined phrase, if you didn't know. Uh, but yeah, just just I um, just want to say one more thing on this is that uh, the whole thing of lockdown, as we've talked about before, was actually modelled on Event Two Hundred One, which took place in twenty nineteen, uh, uh, funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, John Hopkins University Medical um, Establishment, and the WEF. And that's 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 the plan that we followed, and it was complete opposite in many ways to the UK pandemic preparedness plan, which we already had in place. Do you remember that, Helen? We have talked about that, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Yeah, and I think it's um it's a very concerning example of uh, control and power at a global level, and yes. if and if that's if that's how it's going to be, we need to wake up to that because, you know, we we have historically been used to that level of power being at a national level. And it's a yeah. very different thing for decisions to be ma- being made at a global level. It if, is. If we it as is. a nation don't have a say in what happens and we're going to be dictated to, by people at a global level, whoever those people are, which of course yeah. we don't vote for who are not accountable in any way to us. Yeah. Yeah. And and we have to be again, this is just something to be aware of, isn't it? We've got to understand the world in which which we live, not to be afraid of it or not to be scared, but just so that we actually can't can avoid being taken in by things which are simply not true or fabricated yeah. on a half truth. I think that's um, really important for um as Christians and for for people in the church to um to understand this because we're warned in the Bible so many times. Mm. about um you know being alert and being aware of what's going on in the world around us um because we need to be wise and we need to be watching out for those who will deceive us yeah and that that's 
just a reality. Um, and Christians and churches should have resisted and spoken up at the time when the lockdowns first first you know came into existence because we've never had such a thing before and most didn't but even now most seem to be pretending that it didn't even happen yeah yeah and and i'm reminded of our conversation with um nicholas franks nick franks which if you haven't listened to do do give that a listen it's a really important uh episode um to i think a couple of episodes ago wasn't it helen we we chatted with nick but but he he He's he was saying that with lockdown, he believes, and I think he's right, it was a judgment from God on the church. In other words, the closing of the church doors was intentional to wake the church up to its its the situation. I didn't see that at the time. I'm only understanding this now. But I think he's absolutely right, and and just like you're saying, Ellen, at the moment in 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 many churches, certainly in churches that I'm a part of, it it feels like business as usual, mm. which you know we can. It's understandable from a kind of human level, but that I think lifts the lid on how how little we actually understand the severity of our situation as 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 the church as follows the Jesus in this country um and uh, i think the kind of like you're saying Helen the response of the church to lockdown was a symptom of that i mean this is australian pastor wasn't it what do you, do you want to talk about him a little minute yeah, just stumbled across this. Um, Dr. Andrew Corbett, um, an Australian pastor who's apologised for urging people to take the vaccine after a number of his family members and people from his church suffered adverse reactions. And he says now that he should have done his homework at the time rather than just believing what he was told. Mm. And I just thought that was good to hear and it would be good if others followed suit, really. It would, it would, it would be so good because, like you know, like we said a few minutes ago, this is this isn't about saying "told you so," because none of us get everything right. I know I don't, but this is about saying, "Look, this is the reality. This is the truth. We need to make sure that it it doesn't happen again, as as best we're able to, and and to and to be alert to." to how these things came about in the first place so we don't fall for the same thing again because the same i think as we'll we'll see a bit later on the same kind of thing will be coming shortly in some shape or form i think yeah i'm sure Um, and and whilst i (laughs) i'm not after any kind of holly willoughby sort of you know we must all have a group hug thing at all but when you think of you know the shallow nature of of what she was talking about in that her sort of narcissistic bubble compared to the reality of what many people face during these lockdowns you know for some it was it was okay for for some that some people went through absolutely terrible things which they will probably never recover from you know some people had loved ones who died that they couldn't see yes that they couldn't bury um 
some people, uh, I mean, some children went through appalling things. Some are now facing, you know, struggling with addictions, which which all came out of that time. And, and you know, some families are in terrible situations. And I've seen some of those things. And, and for us to not be just sort of pretending as if it never happened, I think is wrong. And we should be talking about it. We should be addressing the realities of what happened and and talking about it so that we can be better prepared if if something like that were to face us again yeah yeah i totally agree i totally agree so and i don't mean this- being better prepared for a, a virus appearing i mean being better prepared for uh, the prospect of of a government or even global authorities um telling us locking us down again yeah. yeah. Or insisting we have medical procedures or whatever it might be. Yes. Yeah. Because this is ultimately the opportunity we have to show people that we don't put our trust in governments. We put our trust in God through what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. And this is the remarkable thing about being a follower of Jesus. We get to hold out this genuine, transformative hope to a broken world. If we just hold out the same thing that the world are holding on to, what good is that? It's no, you know, holding on to the same bit of the sinking ship as the guy next to you, that's not going to help them. You need to you need to say, look, look over here, there's a life raft. <laughs> Let's get in it. Um, so, yeah, it's there's so much we could say on this, but I think you get get the drift. But this 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 is hopefully taking us nicely into our next bit, which is. Um, Another one of our, our favorite organizations, the, the World Health Organization, who um, have taken it upon themselves to instigate a, a global digital health certificate, which is just brilliant, isn't it, Helen? Because that I wake up some mornings and I think to myself, you know what, Tim, what I'm missing more than a low traffic neighborhood or a 15 minute city is my global digital health certificate. And now I I don't have those fears in the morning because I know that the World Health Organization is sorting it out for me. So thank you for doing that. Do you want to tell us about this, Helen? Because it's I'm just so excited about this. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, well, this is thanks to the European Commission, um, it, and it's being done in co- cooperation with them uh, because um, the EU apparently rolled out a very successful uh, COVID vaccine certificate digital certificate so the who thought oh well done european union we'll um we'll take your system that you um put together and we'll we'll roll it out globally so that's the plan a certification network a global public health infrastructure building Mm -hmm. on the eu covid vaccine certificates and it's going to include apparently vaccination, prescriptions, and prophylaxis. I'm not quite sure. Okay, how I'm hoping that's you know what that means because I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I can I can take some take some semi-educated guesses, but you, you, do you have any idea? Well, I I didn't look into what exactly they mean by that. How they're going to in, incorporate that? I don't know. I presume it means things like if you've had a test to show that you haven't got something, then that will go uh, on your. Okay. I I'm not really quite sure 
how that's going to work. But they say it's essential for better health and it will help to facilitate global mobility. I think what they actually mean is, so when we lock you down next time, those of you who do everything that we dictate, if you obey all the rules and do all the things we tell you to and jump through all of the hoops and take all the drugs that we tell you to, we will give you a kind of golden ticket that means you can move about and do things that everyone else won't be allowed to. I think that's yeah. what they actually mean. Yeah, it's it's a, a prophylaxis, yeah, it's a it's, it's preventing disease basically. So yeah. maybe maybe they are going to be encouraging us to go out in the sunshine then so we get vitamin D for example when it's <laughs> when it when it is safe to do so. Um what what strikes me about this, do you, I don't know if you recall this, but it was probably a year ago where this um and it was when Boris Johnson was still prime minister. So perhaps it was a little more than a year ago. It kind of has this, the last three years does blur into one sort of strange, mushy thing. But do you remember when it was um, mooted about the World Health Organization having this kind of this power, if you like, to have a, a pandemic treaty? Do you remember? And, and and there was a whole, there was a little bit of rumblings in UK Parliament. Oh, we can't, you know, we can't allow this. And Boris Johnson was saying, "Well, it's fine. It's we can't. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to. We're not going to have a, a referendum on it or anything like that. You know, uh, because you know, it's it's kind of a non-issue. Well, clearly, it's not a non-issue. You know, we were told, we were basically told at the time, oh, nothing can happen. But look, what is happening um and i think one of the things that is interesting about this is that all the technology that is in place all the so you th- you think about the track and trace app which hopefully um those listening never used um but if you did well please don't do it again um and what was the other one the 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 the, uh, the um vaccine passport app wasn't it, i think or something you could I can't remember what it was now, but there well, was they were developing show. that, weren't they? Yeah. They were ready to it's roll all, out. It's all been developed. Possible. It's all been developed, and it's all there. It's it, just because the track and trace app has been kind of mothballed. The tech, technology is there now. It and this is the thing. I think people are lulled into a false sense of security by thinking, "Well, that's behind us now. It's all gone." No, no, no. This this was this was the idea. This was why. <laughs> Why we had this to put this infrastructure, this techno- te- technological infrastructure, into place, and of course now we're seeing it rolled out not on a national scale but on a global scale, and um, it's it truly is it is concerning. It is concerning, and then when you link that in with digital ID and CBDCs. Uh, central bank digital currencies, which are coming in the United Kingdom, those will happen. Then this 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 is not a, a great place to be to be going to. I mean, how interesting! Are you able to go to a, a local bank easily now? Um, we've got one left. Right. How long is it going to be there for? Do you know? I I, I don't know. Um. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not for much longer. Because um, our uh, bank 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 has been HSBC for quite a long time, which was Midland, and even longer time ago, if you remember that. 
Do you remember Midland Bank with the Griffin? Yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway, um, and we used to have an HSBC bank in the town where I live, and we don't anymore. And thankfully, there is one not so far away, but that's also closing, which means the next one closest to me is going to be in one of the cities near where I live, which is over half an hour away. Mm. So I think whilst I can go to the post office at the moment to get cash out or cash cash into my bank account, um, it's I don't think that's going to last forever because post offices are going to get inundated with people coming in. But but what, what it does mean, of course, is that shops will will stop taking cash because the only way they a shop can take it. cash is to bank it. And if a yeah. shop can't bank cash easily, well they're not going to take it. So that that's this is this is the direction of travel. It's not an accident. It's intentional because it's all linked in back to digital ID and central bank digital currency. And uh, yeah, I mean, many people would say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. But I think those voices are getting quieter and quieter for some strange reason. I can't think why. Can you think of why that might be, Helen? <laughs> I can't think is it, why. Is it possibly because this stuff is actually happening? Maybe maybe I'm just imagining that. Anyway. Um, the thing of, I think the, the banks is a, a really significant one because, um, I mean, certainly where we live, and I'm sure lots of people find this, particularly if you live in rural areas, we have two towns near us that one town has no banks at all anymore. The other town, like I said, has one bank left. Mm-hmm. Um, and and lots of elderly people living in that town, actually. Um, you know, it's well known as a retirement town. Um, and and But even that one bank that's left, the number of times I've been in to ask them to do various things, and, they, and they're like, they just look at me as if, as if I'm stupid. Um, oh, oh, no, we can't do that. Oh, you have to go online to do that. And it's like, what, did you, I, did you I, want I'm to convert always... some drachmas or something? Was oh. it? No, it was something like um, opening another bank account or, oh, or doing you, you, something you, you, really you need your grandmother's. Like... You need your grandmother's driving license and your great-grandmother's like birth certificate to do I that. Know, I, I know. Yeah, it's just, well, don't get me started. And they wouldn't even <laughs> open accounts for my children because they said we had the wrong, birth, wrong sort of birth certificate. And it's like, do you not want what? customers anymore? <laughs> They've been fine for the last 15 years. Seriously, is there is there are there is there more than one? Apparently, kind? there's a big glorified special certificate you can get if you pay really? extra money when your child is born, which I didn't even know existed. And it's like, well, these birth certificates seem to have done them fine for 15 years, but they're not good enough for Lloyd's Bank, apparently. Um Wow. I'm, I might be, con- in fact, I will be contacting the chief executive to just check that that's correct, actually. But um, wow. that's what they well, tell me. But, y- but yeah. the point is that that um, the, they they could have very easily, at the time where all these banks were closing, you know, we all know the banks, they all work together. I mean, I phoned up and they, it's the same call center dealing with multiple different banks. So they could very easily, in fact, the government could have said very easily, right, if you're closing any any branches, that's fine, you do that. But you, between you all, you have to ensure there is one bank in every reasonable sized town. There has to be one bank and you have to deal with everyone's business. There has to be. They could have made sure that that had to happen. Yeah. It's, it's too late now. Yeah, it's... Um, it, it, it is um it is pretty pretty shocking um especially when you consider you know banks are really hard up like for example you know hsbc 
um, I think in 2022, only made um, before tax, obviously, <laughs> uh, 17.5 billion profit. So I think to keep a um, to keep a you know a, a small branch open near you is 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 asking a little bit much, isn't it, Helen? Mm-hmm. So I, I think you I think you're being unreasonable, to be honest. Um, anything else? To, anything else to say on that one? Uh, no, well, it's hard to think of anything very positive to say on that one, really. <laughs> I, I think it's. It, um, <laughs> there is there is this idea of using cash, isn't it? Which I think is is great in terms of keep cash in circulation because if we keep cash in circulation then you know the roll rollout of a kind of digital currency will be delayed or stalled or stopped but i i i would say yeah use cash as much as you can totally but i don't think it's going to stop the juggernaut um and that's not being defeatist um because as believers, we're looking forward to that day when Jesus returns. And uh, that day is getting closer every day, obviously. But it's going to happen at some point. And stuff has to happen before he comes back. Uh, the Bible makes that very clear. So, yeah, I think we do we do what we can. And we encourage one another to do what we can. Uh, but at the same time, we don't we don't be anxious um and if we see something kind of going ahead regardless we we put our trust in god and uh keep serving him faithfully because that's what we're called to do isn't it yeah yeah definitely we might have um, to bring back bartering as well yes bring back bartering. oh yes yeah don't get me started on that one yeah I'll, i do um, actually i've heard i've heard someone with with quite some wisdom actually suggesting that it's a really good thing where you can to get some skills, learn some practical skills. Yeah, yeah, because definitely. should the time come when we may need to, we may need to be able to, you know, well, can you cut my children's hair and I'll mow your lawn or, or whatever it is and just to um, find ways of of living without the transfer of money. We might need to do that a bit more in years yeah, to come. And, and, and it might, it kind of might sound crazy, but you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, and and I think with the the, the rollout of of AI, I mean, it, just anecdotally here. So 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 I have a a Twitter account which um, I'm not going to advertise on here because it's no no points for no relevance to anybody. It's purely for me to to absorb interesting news and uh, find out interesting things that I wouldn't find out any other way. Anyway. I, I I was thinking, oh, my Twitter account is really odd because I can't I can't I can't tweet anything I can't retweet anything it won't let me won't let me do this and I managed to actually get it sorted out today where 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 it could do that but but it involved me emailing Twitter but I knew full well that when I email them I'm not emailing a person I'm emailing a machine and it'll read my email it'll send me a stock email back and then it sent me another email back saying oh I'm really sorry. We uh, we accidentally marked your account as spam, and that was a mistake on our part. Bum 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 bum. But this was a machine, so so what I'm saying is, you know, AI is 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 all over the place at the moment. If you want to call it AI or just talking to a computer, it doesn't really matter. But 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 it's it's there. So having practical skills that um, are in the kind of the real world, like you're saying, Helen, is hugely valuable. And um, certainly, I think you know, for for young people like now, growing up, get practical skills. 
build, you know, learn, learn a trade, learn something which you can do with your hands. It doesn't mean to say that you can't have an office job whilst there, whilst there still are office jobs. But having having real world skills as well is is hugely beneficial. So I think that's a really good idea, huh? Um, shall we move on to to the next thing? Because because what what because June is June. I don't even like to advertise it, but is is it is it Pride Month? Apparently, so. is that right? Mm. Is it? It is June. It is June. In June now. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think there. Are- I think there might be another month. I think maybe. Oh, really? I'm not sure if in <laughs> okay. America it might be August or there's, I don't know. I suppose it's Pride Summer really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I started to notice because I was thinking, I was looking at, um, maybe it was on Twitter going back to that. I was I was looking at a, a company and I was thinking, oh, that's weird. They've, 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 they've rainbowed their logo. And I was thinking, oh, okay, that can only mean one thing. That can only mean that we're at that time of year where everybody wants to force pride on everybody else um uh, but yeah talking about have have their logos changed or is i mean i can't really keep up with the whole pride flag thing it's just like a mishmash of all sorts of different I don't things know. There, there's some extra stripes and things isn't there oh, really? but I, i've lost track of what they all mean yeah some extra okay. colors i think now or some yeah get some going in other directions that it it, yeah, cer- it certainly it 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 does it is very um it feels even more insidious than it normally does um and it's it, it is becoming um something which almost feels very embedded in the culture and the problem with that is that that now it is very much a case of if you're not celebrating it you're against it you know standing by and not doing anything is is not really an option is it now and that that's 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 a real challenge that's a real challenge um yeah what is that the sense that you get helen yeah yeah definitely um and like you say you know the number of organizations with putting the rainbow colors on their logo it's it's every year it appears to be more in fact that now there's hardly any that don't do it so yeah, it's definitely a growing thing. It's become the thing to do. Well, it's a virtue signaling exercise, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. It is. A I mean, they, the companies signaling, wouldn't do it if they didn't think it was worth it for them, in some way, to to show their um, observing something that is seen as uh, culturally now the hmm. correct thing to do. Yeah, Ooh, that was a bit loud. Sorry. So yes, I mean, thinking about that, Oxfam got themselves in really hot water um, last week uh, because I'm just I'm prepared this bit here, so I've just remem- remembered since you mentioned it um, because they they put a um, this was a few days ago they they put a cartoon on their on their website and on their Twitter feed and the cartoon was appalling. Yeah, I haven't appalling. actually seen it. I've heard about it. I mean, it, it was. Ju- I mean, it's not to mention it was just nonsense. It was appalling. But one of the things that um, that 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 people really got in arms about was one of the angry people on on this cartoon had a badge on them which said "Turf." Now, if you don't know, "Turf" is is an acronym 
and it stands it's like all these acronyms are a bit ridiculous but it stands for trans exclusionary radical feminist <laughs> so it's it's a slur it's a, it's a, it's meant to be an insult so so that's what oxfam got themselves in hot water over i mean to, to, in my mind that that was just that was just literally a frame in this cartoon the whole thing was bile um but anyway yeah i mean it just shows there is there you have a charity um does this does this affect whether you shop in oxfam anymore i don't know it certainly brings it in my mind into question whether i whether i want to go in their shops and support them when they um push this kind of evil ideology in this way but uh, yeah it was interesting that they got themselves in um hot water and they they ended up on on twitter certainly they ended up taking it taking it down and then then doing a groveling apology which made made their situation even worse and it was quite interesting just seeing the hundreds and hundreds of comments where people were not buying it at all and and this this is where there is this disconnect isn't there helen because it's like this stuff is forced on us like this is normal and it's not normal and it's not right. In fact, it's evil. Um, but the problem is, is that the more this is forced on it, the more people we become used to this idea that it is normal. Do you know what I mean? And and yeah. it, it's it's horrendous. Well, it's a, it's it's absolutely an ideology, and it is. In, in fact, it's become more than that. It's 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 idolatry it's a false god effectively and um you know in the same way as we would we would say about observing a religious festival that you know people are now talking about observing pride that that you have to it has to be promoted or observed you know it has to be observed in school now in many churches pride is observed um and in increasing numbers of churches i mean i was looking at something the other day and there are quite a number of cathedrals um, in particular, but churches up and down the country who are holding pride services, often to coincide with pride marches. So that's often why it's cathedrals, because I think the marches tend to happen in cities, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's just an example of the false religion that we discussed with Jamie Franklin in our yes. recent podcast. Yeah. Yeah, and that that is definitely that's definitely another another good one to have a listen to if you get the opportunity to to go back a few um, to listen to that. Um, yeah, and the fact that you know some cathedrals hold this just shows they've 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 left the faith. They really have. They've they've left the faith, and it's a bit like this. Did you send? Did you send us this? Um, interview with this uh, for Portsmouth Pride. Yeah. <laughs> what What was it? Is this? Have yeah, I got this right? So, it's a, a bisexual woman priest. Yeah. Right. So, so that that's a that that's a that's a that's a contradiction there, isn't it? Surely. Um, yeah. So in, she was in being interviewed. Many ways. <laughs> um, she was being interviewed for Portsmouth Pride with her woman partner, who is training for ordination. So. One is uh, already a priest. I think she said she was in Chichester Cathedral, where she works, um, and her partner, who is training for ordination at the moment. And, I mean, just listening to them talk, um, we love pride, they were saying, um, and she talked about it being a liberative event. And I thought, I'm sure that's a made-up word. 
I think, I not, think, not had that word before. Okay, you, look, you heard it first on the Alan Badger podcast. Liberative. liberative. It's liberative. <laughs> um, and then um, and then her partner said, faith makes us more queer. I, I mean, I'm not really sure what queer actually means, but she says, I don't think I could be a Christian if I was not queer. Wow. Okay. I mean, how do you unpack this one? So I, much, I so much has gone catastrophically wrong here yeah. within the church that this is even allowed to get to this point. Well, it, it appears to be so fundamentally a part of her identity that it's even more so than being a Christian. So she she can't she couldn't be a Christian if she wasn't queer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just, I just wonder which um, which um, Bible college they they've gone to yeah, that, that, that must be must be teaching them such utter nonsense that they produce people like these two ladies. I know um, it's very sad. Which which might sound strong, but you know what? We've got to the point now where we have to call out um, this kind of thing. This this maligning of the gospel for the evil it is, mm. um, and you know when we see that we call it out, and we call it out not only to protect those who hear it, but to maybe by some why not that to wake the people up who are perpetrating it to the to the absolute um, terrible state that they're in. And think, okay, wake up, repent, turn away. You know, there there, there may still be hope with well, the grace we've of said, God. We've said before, God will not be mocked. No, no, no. And and I think um, this this is to be really crystal clear. This this is not the gospel. This is a false gospel. This is antichrist. This is an expression of antichrist. And. Um, we need to be clear about this. And I think this is really important to stress. We, we as Christians, if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, you follow Jesus, then just hear this out as, as an encouragement. We need to be clear in our own minds as to what the Bible says, what God calls us to through his word, the Bible, and be clear about that, have a clarity about that, because it's only when we have that basis can we then move forwards and we can extend grace, we can extend mercy, we can warn people of judgment. But we can't do any of those things properly or faithfully unless we have the clarity that comes from standing on, sitting under the word of God. But that's so true. And that's what that's what the devil knows. That's why he wants to shake that foundation and why he yeah. wants to blur that clarity because as soon as he's able to do that then christians will have will have no ability to warn others to teach others to help others to follow yeah. the way of yeah. jesus yeah so that's exactly what he wants yeah so yeah and and if you're if you're listening and you're and you're in a church and you're your church is going off the rails in regards to human sexuality. If they're accepting that that um, 
you know, a man and a man is is can be married, or a woman and woman can be married, or it's okay for them to be together in a way that 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 the Bible clearly says isn't okay. Um, then, well, I think t- take it up with the church leader, but but really, it could be a case of actually need to, needing to find a a different church. And I know I know that that's not as easy as it's it is to say it and it's hard but but it might come to that um and i think we we need to be prepared to um to stand on the truth and to to do what that demands of us um but if you can encourage your church leadership do it never underestimate as we've said many times before on this podcast never underestimate the importance of encouraging your church leadership and encourage them to be strong encourage them to say look we're actually going to stand by sound doctrine as made clear in god's word and we are going to stand on the truth and we're going to hold that truth out we're going to proclaim the truth we're not going to shy away from the truth because that's that's where salvation is found that clear proclamation of jesus christ but yeah um anything else to say on 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 this this one helen well i was just thinking that actually it's a real opportunity isn't it for churches to this month whilst everyone around them and and particularly i'm sure it's going to be in many of the schools talking all about pride um Mm -hmm. frankly the churches should be talking about it as well and should be teaching yeah and encouraging their young people to to understand what god has to say um and to encourage them to to really think about what they believe and why they believe it um and helping them to be able to um you know to take a stand against what is being bombarded what they're being bombarded with in the world around them yeah and and i don't think I mean, if that does happen in your church and you're listening to this, excellent. That's that's fantastic. And may, maybe actually just you know, <laughs> let us know which church you go to. Um, that because we'd all, we always love to 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 be encouraged in that way. Um, but but I think a lot of churches are are sadly too too, too much like the world on a Sunday and. It's not that we're trying to be weird or anything like that, but we are called to be different. And especially with our young young people, we need to encourage them. And one of the key ways of encouraging them is helping them to understand that when they come to church on a Sunday, they're going to be with people who are aligning themselves with the same truth that they find in the Word of God which puts them at odds with the majority of the people they'll meet in a week at school or college. And I think that's a key way that churches can encourage people, but that's, that's going to mean making some hard decisions because a lot of churches now, are, um, I don't know how to, how would you describe they, They're very, very liberal, you know, even, mm-hmm. even so-called conservative churches are very liberal actually, because mm-hmm. they, what they won't do is they won't talk about the difficult subjects that they, 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 they won't be clear. They won't bring that clarity and the, they're not serving the people in their care. Well, when they don't no. do that. When, if you think about it, you know, f- for us, y- you and I have been Christians for quite a few decades now. Um, and, you know, we've had lots of time to be taught, to learn, um, 
to be, as Jamie Franklin talked about, be catechized in the faith. And yes. that's, that's yeah. really, really important. But it doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen. I mean, you know, we can learn a great deal on our own if we've, if we've, um, you know, if we're able to, to do that. But, but really, we need to be, this needs to be being taught in church and in small groups and in discussion groups. And, um, and that's particularly important for young people. And if that's not happening, then how are we ever going to expect them to develop the depth of faith that, that they're going to need? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, they, they, the young people are at school for what? I don't know. I can't know off the top of my head. What, 30 hours a week, probably, give or take? Mm. And they're at church, what, an hour and a half on a Sunday? That's an, that's an unequal, you know, battle. But supernaturally, it's possible to at least do something that really makes a difference. But they've got to, young people and, and you know, older people have to have to hear this from the front of church because mm. what's said from the front of a church sets the temperature for the church. And I, I, I don't know if we said this in this podcast or not, but, but you know, you can have loads of great things going on um, in the week. You know, you could have, you could have lots of like, owl and badger equivalent podcasts or whatever you want in the week and people seeking hard after truth in the week but unless you hear it from the front of church on a sunday morning it's always going to be muted in its effect and so yeah i think if you if you're in a church where you've got a good relationship with your church leader or your church leadership and you think they could maybe they're waking up to the reality of the world in which we live share this with them not necessarily this, not necessarily this podcast, but share this this idea of actually we've got to proclaim truth faithfully, boldly from the front of church, so that we can encourage and build up our church family and especially our young people who are on a particularly, particularly diabolical, literally front line. As um, yeah, as as we're both very aware, aren't we, Helen, with young yeah. people in secondary school? Sadly, um. But yes, okay. Shall we? Shall we move on? Because I'm aware of time. Yeah. Um, shall we move back onto the BBC? Because it's been a while since we talked about the BBC, isn't it? Um, but we just wanted to just bring this to your attention, which you may have come across this actually. If, if you're a if you're a um, a regular on a BBC website or or even watch BBC News, actually, I can't remember the last time I watched BBC News. In fact, I can't remember the last time I watched news on TV. Full stop. Can, can you remember that, Helen? Um. No, I think I've almost forgotten how to turn my TV on. <laughs> I, I do, I do access the news, but not through first. the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I have to get my children like to do it. Because I can't remember how to do it. I've got three channels. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so what get around to the point is that basically um, the BBC have decided to come up with this thing. I'm laughing because it really is ridiculous, but and but they they're taking it very seriously, of course. Called BBC Verify, and so in their own words, so I'm not going to make this up. So um, it's in their own words, they say this. We've brought together forensic journalists and expert talent from across the BBC, including our anal analyst editor, Ross Atkins, and disinformation correspondent, Mariana Spring. Oh, she's always cropping up, isn't she? And their teams. In all, 
BBC Verify comprises about 60 journalists who will form a highly specialised operation with a range of forensic investigative skills and open source intelligence, OSINT in brackets, capabilities at their fingertips. They'll be fact-checking, verifying video, countering disinformation, analysing data, and crucially, explaining complex stories in the pursuit of truth. BBC Verify will be home to specific expertise and technology. What is not to love about that, Helen? The Ministry of Truth is coming alive. What do you think? Has that, that I bet that gets you really excited, doesn't it? You're thinking yeah, about BBC Verify. I just love my licence fee being used in such, such amazing and morally right way. What do you think? Yeah, well... Um... Now, I, I, I've only just come across this, but I have experienced Mariana Spring. Um, mm. And, um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I didn't, didn't warm to her, shall we say. Um, she's the disin- disinformation correspondent. I think that's what yes. you said. That's her big thing, isn't it? Dis or miss information yeah, whatever dis, that's dis, her job disinformation, to... misinformation, making sure that, you know, yeah. as, as Jacinda Arden you know, rightly said, you know, the Prime Minister of New Zealand rightly said uh, a couple of years ago that, that we will be your only source of your truth. Your only source of truth. Yes. So I think that's what that's what Mariana is, isn't it, for the BBC. So listen to what she says and you will know that you have the absolute truth. I know, I know. And this OSINT thing is is interesting. Uh, this, uh, what's it, um, open source intelligence. Um, and basically what this is, 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 is legally gathered information about an individual or organization. And that's legally gathered from free public sources. And in practice, what that means is that information is found on the internet. <laughs> um, any public information falls into the category of OSINT, whether it's books or reports in a public library, articles in a newspaper or statements in a press release. So there we go. If you put an acronym on it, it makes it sound even more important than Googling something BBC. Um, or, of course, your search engine of choice, which hopefully isn't Google because they are evil. Um, anyway, let's carry on with this because, interestingly, today, and today is a Saturday. Uh, what is today? Is Saturday, what, of June? What's the date, Helen? The 10th. The 10th of June. So there you go. So you can look it up yourself if you get the Telegraph. And um, if you don't get the Telegraph, then you won't be able to look this up yourself. But there was um, an interesting, massive double spread stating the uh, blindingly obvious, actually, that the BBC has a reputation as a truth teller. I'll put that in, in, in inverted commas. Yet in COVID, they did what the government wanted. Wow, knock me over with a feather. That's really like insightful reporting on the Telegraph there, isn't it, Helen? Saying that the BBC, of all people, um, just did what the government wanted. Well, that's bizarre because so did the Telegraph, I seem to remember. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I think all the mainstream media did, didn't they? I know, I know. So the BBC, of course, is the broadcasting arm of the UK government. Um, but the fact that they have now this Verify, BBC Verify, shows how corrupt they have actually become. Um, you know, let's be honest, the BBC can't pursue truth as it doesn't really seem to know, sadly. And I do say sadly because it shouldn't be this way, what truth looks like. Um, because it's peddled lies on half truths for such a long time now. Um, so yeah, I think I think the BBC is worth calling out because they do have a large reach and they use it for a lot of evil, actually. And from a Christian point of view, they really do. Um, you know, don't don't 
let's not be backwards about this. They aren't good. Um, and it's a sad thing because it, they, it they, they could be and they're not. And that's a shame. And this isn't to say that everybody who works for BBC is bad. It's not, it's not how the world works. Um, there will be good people who work for the BBC. Um, but uh, I think, again, it's just reminding people um, the remind your friends, remind your families, look, say, look, there are other places you can get you, your news from. You can still listen to the BBC, but if that's your only source of news, you will be lied to and you'll be misinformed and you will be manipulated. And it, it, it's, you don't want to be you don't want to be somebody who has those things done to you. And I think um, it's with the BBC, it's a bit like when people read one newspaper and that's all they ever do is read one newspaper until you start looking elsewhere and listening to other voices, listening to other people in particular. And I found what's particularly been helpful is listen to people. So for example, if you're, if you're wanting to understand a bit more about what's going on in a particular country or um, in the war situation, for example, with Ukraine and Russia is for a start, it's quite good to listen to people who actually live there or did live there or have family there, you know, people who understand the culture. And once you start to do that and you start to listen elsewhere, then if you go back to the BBC, that's when you can see, because your eyes are then open to, you've you've listened to a number of different people who really know what they're talking about. Then you listen to a BBC correspondent talking about the issue which is what I've said before, when I listen to something where I, which, where I actually do know quite a lot about something and then I listen to them talking and I'm thinking, you don't, you clearly don't know what you're talking about because you're giving either half-truths or you're not giving one side of the story altogether or you're just peddling, you can see, you're peddling a particular narrative and that's not what you should be doing. You should be giving a full picture of what's going on and not actually giving your opinion. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think I think I think that's that's such that's such important advice. And and look, we're we're not we're not saying that you have to be kind of forensically going through the news and and gathering all sorts of things from all over the place. Some people will do that. That's fine. Let let them do that. But just don't have your one source of news being a mainstream media source of news. Um, because when things like the last three years happened, you, you'll be lied to. Um, and you know we've seen, we've seen that happen, and and it's it's just how it is. And and as Christians, we should always be um, looking for the truth. I think that's really important. Um, and and you know, I mean, there's all sorts of things. I mean, there was, I mean, interestingly, there was uh, linked with that. There's a picture on the Telegraph website today. So the situation in Ukraine, which is we were going to talk about that, but we won't because there's not, not enough time. But but the there, there was a photo um, and a headline, and the headline was saying that the um, the the offensive has started, and they, and and that uh, Ukrainians have broken through Russian lines. And the photo next to it was of um, a number of tanks destroyed, and the implication being, of course, that those were Russian tanks. But they weren't Russian tanks; they were Ukrainian tanks. In fact, they were they were Western tanks, including a German Leopard tank, which is one of the the best tanks that NATO has, and a load of American armor completely destroyed by the Russians. And so, 
even that is just a really basic example of how the news is not only misleading but lying um and you know it's it's difficult to keep your wits about you um but anyway let's let's move on let's change tack slightly we're coming into land here but uh, this is just worth mentioning because just to have your eye on this one but the universal basic income you've probably heard of that ubi you've heard of that haven't you helen i guess have, yeah yeah, so we, we've we've got used to this idea of universal because, of course, we've had universal credit. So um, all the different forms of government support for for individuals and families has all over the last few years been brought together in this big thing called universal credit. Well, now the government is trialing universal basic income, and this is essentially in this particular trial sixteen hundred pounds a month. And it's going to be trialed in England as a pilot program. And only it's a very small trial, of course, but 30 people will be paid a lump sum without conditions each month for two years and will be observed to understand the effects on their lives. And I think this is this is interesting with what we were saying earlier about CBDCs, digital ID, of course, the the WHO um global um health initiative as well. The fact that cash is going. And this is, of course, linked with that. And and then you add into that, of course, artificial intelligence and the impact that that has on jobs and something like universal basic income seems like a good idea until, of course, you don't meet the criteria that the government wants you to meet and your universal income is stopped or paused. So, yes, it's interesting to note that something, again, that seemed fanciful only a couple of years ago is now being trialed in the, in the UK. Um, yeah, anything to add on that one, Helen? Or well, just that I remember um, a while ago this being talked about um, with regard to the World Economic Forum and mm. and people talking about it as a conspiracy theory. You know, all this idea that people could be paid um, something like this, like a universal basic income. Um, but this is now it's being trialed in our country. Yes, it is. It is, and it it is it is deep. It is deeply concerning. And there, I mean, there's lots to say on say on this. But but work is God given and it's good. It's very good. Having something which replaces work isn't isn't good when people can and should work. Um, so there's lots of potential things you could discuss on that, but it's just worth flagging up. We'll leave the links in the um, podcast notes so you can have a look for yourself. But yeah, it's just something to bear in mind. And last last thing again, which was which was again, this is this is kind of interesting. What I put in the category of just sticking in the back of your mind, thinking, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's interesting. But this is this is from France, and um, in in France, the Senate has given. Uh, a green light to remote activation of ca- on of cameras or microphones on smartphones. Now it's not come into law yet, so it's still got a few hurdles to go through. Um, but it would give it would allow for geolocation in real time if somebody's committing a certain offence, and also in particular cases um, where they deem it necessary. Activation of the microphone or camera on a smartphone to capture sound or images without the person knowing. And 
and uh, yeah, it, it's basically turning this your smartphone into a snitch device. Now, some people might say, "Oh, that's that's really that's really good because you know you might might catch somebody uh, committing a crime, or even you know maybe be even able to stop uh, that crime." But yeah, it's it's not it's not great because I was listening to. Um, there was a, a Christian organization, really good one, and they, they they work with the persecuted church, church in China, where um, it'd be a small rural church, um, and believers there have to meet in secret. And they realized that they can't take their smartphones with them when they congregate they can't take their smartphones with them when they congregate, even when the smartphones are switched off. So even when they're switched off, they can't take them with them. Because if they do, the authorities can see that there's a large number of people gathered in one place. So they have to leave, they leave their smartphones switched off at home. So this stuff is, you know, we've heard snippets of this kind of thing for quite a long time now from different sources. But um, yeah, that little shiny, fancy device, perhaps you're listening to this podcast on it, it's, uh, yeah, it can be used against you as well. So that's, uh, that's not, uh, not, not great. And uh, yeah, it's just, just a point to, to raise on. What do you think, Helen? I'd quite like to well, ditch my smartphone. I, I know. I, I was think thinking I just the same. I I would like to as well. It's 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 difficult, isn't it? And then I think, oh well, I can't because I need mine for my work. And but you know, we they've they've got us, haven't they? Really? Because yeah, you know, so many things now depend on having your phone. And even someone like me who tries not to have, you know, I don't have apps on my phone. I won't use it for barcodes or whatever, scanning or whatever. But even so, oh, that, they've yeah, become that's, that's, such a big yeah, part talk, of our lives. Talking about that, did you see? Did you see? Um, I think it's Aldi in London, or Aldi again. It's a Mayo Mowam conversation. <laughs> Aldi or Aldi um, in London, you can't go into the shop unless you have your smartphone and use that app. You literally can't go into the shop. Well, you, they won't let you in. Well, well, you go in. And okay. there, there is there is posters on the wall with a QR code saying you've got to have the app on your phone, and you you put the app on your phone, you scan it into the um, you scan you scan in to let you through a barrier, and then presumably you'll scan the items in your basket and pay on your phone. And that's how you get out. But okay. if you want to go and buy something just with a forget cash, <laughs> even with your credit card, even you can't. with your card, you can't. That's, that's crazy. That is. That's not good, and and this stuff this stuff gets trialed. You see, this gets trialed, um, and just talking about you know where stuff gets trialed. New Zealand often things will get done down there, which you know may get rolled out somewhere else. So they they they've got a bit of a creepy initiative called Safer Online Services and Media Platforms, and they're uh, this is about making sure that social media platforms follow codes to keep people safe. I'm not quite sure keeping them safe from from what exactly. Maybe it's from the BBC. Uh, media services like TV and radio broadcasters would need to follow the new codes tailored to their industry 
and this is all in New Zealand, the regulator would have the power to check information from platforms to make sure they follow the codes and could issue penalties for serious failures or compliance or lack of it. Um, and this would ensure everyone is playing by the mm. same rules and that consumer safety is prioritised. I'm not sure what they mean by consumer safety. Sounds like they're, they're, they're selling me a plug that I might you know, get electrocuted from or something. Um, but it's interesting because nobody's asking for this, you know, the same way nobody's asking for low traffic neighbourhoods or 15-minute cities or uh, CBDCs or digital ID or vaccine passports. What else? Isn't what you've just said. Or BBC Verified. Nobody's asking for any of this no, stuff. No one's asking for any of it. No. When you said you read out, this would ensure everyone is playing by the same rules. That's what it's all about, isn't it? It is. It's about getting yeah. everyone to play by the rules. Yeah. Everyone to uniformly do as they're told and comply. Yeah. 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 And this is where, this is where as Christians, <clears throat> we have the hope, don't we? Because we, we end on a high. It's not a low of, oh, this is happening. It's a high because two reasons. One is is that these things happening remind us that Jesus is coming back and that we need to get ourselves ready and get others ready for that amazing day, whenever that might be, whether that's in our lifetimes or not. Um, it could well be in our lifetimes, but who knows. Uh, but also it's, it's a reminder that actually um, we put our trust in God and uh, it's... Uh, it's him who we look to, and uh, it's God's rules that we live by, not Jacinda Ardern's or whoever the new one is in uh, um, New Zealand or Rishi Sunak or Macron or Trudeau or whichever wef stooge it might be. These are God's laws that we follow. Do you want to finish with a bit of scripture, Alan? Yeah. That would be good. So I'm going to read from Psalm 40, and it's the first five verses. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the, out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. I Amen. think that's, it's a really, it's a, well, there's so many great Psalms and it's quite good with a little passage like that, just to read it a few times and think about what it's saying. I mean, saying God will lift us up out of the mire and set our feet on the rock. And sometimes it feels like we are in the mire, mm. but that's where God wants us is with our feet on the rock. That is Jesus. And we may see and fear and think it's talking about the right kind of fear and fearing the Lord and trust the Lord. And don't look to the proud. Don't look to pride that mm. we've been talking about today yeah. and yeah. false gods, false ideology, which yeah. is idolatry. Look to God and look to his wonders. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 
Amen. Well, that's a good place to end, isn't it? Yeah. End with end with the word of God, and uh, yeah, do we'll have to we'll have to link to that in in the notes, so so it's a good reminder for those listening to um, to read that, and like say Helen, just read it for you a few times, meditate on it, and let God speak to you and encourage you and strengthen you. Um, anything to add before we finish? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, look. Thank you for listening. I feel like we probably talked for longer than we normally would. So if you if you got to the end, well done. We really appreciate you listening. We appreciate um, you supporting us. Do pray for us. Uh, you know this is this is this is important that we have prayer to do this because it you know we want to get get it right, get the tone right. And we're not going to always do that, but we want to serve those who listen to us well and ultimately want to serve our king well um do share this podcast with those you think it would encourage or give an exhortation to even perhaps challenge um do do yeah do share it you can support the podcast as well you can buy us a coffee if you really want to that'd be great because it does cost us money to produce this not a huge amount but there is some money needing to uh, fund it um and of course go and check out Helen's brilliant Substack, um, and you'll find all the links to that on on the link tree on the uh on the podbean website uh we do have a telegram channel which we we use in between podcasts just to put interesting things that we think are useful we don't we don't put loads of things on there so don't feel like oh i'm going to join that i'm going to be inundated it's fairly low-key but we do tend to try and go for uh i guess quality rather than quantity i suppose helen Anything else? Must be anything else to add, Helen? Because I've said a lot there. Um, no, I think that's everything. We'll put the links, um, links of things that we've talked about. We'll put in the notes, won't we? Yeah, and do and, and we said this on previous ones, but do do buy Nick Frank's book because I'm I'm reading through it with my wife at the moment. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, have you finished it yet, Helen? I have nearly finished it. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that, aren't we? In a podcast, I think. Yeah, there is there is like a lot a, in there. Oh, there is a lot in there, but yeah, do do get his book. I think it's it's profound. It really is. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Yep. See you then. Bye.